We're live, we're kicking, and on today's podcast, I have my friend and business partner, Adam Madonna. How you doing, mate? I'm very good. Nice to be invited on. Happy days. It's great to have you on, mate. Obviously, we've got a, a history over the last five years working together, and today you're on to talk a wee bit about your story and go a wee bit more in-depth about it. Obviously, I've worked with you for that long. I know little snippets of it, but it'd be good to really get right in deep into it. So, where have we got to start is just what led you to... Where you are today. Okay, mate, I think, thought about this and I think the easiest way to start is probably literally for the day I was born, mate. I had 36 years to cover here. But when I was born, um, it was complications to start with. I needed a blood transfusion. And, you know, this is in the 80s, mate, where things aren't as easy. But I had my blood transfusion, but obviously my mum and dad had been told there was a high likelihood of being deaf and dumb. But luckily, as you know, everything worked out right, I wasn't. However, I did have a speech impediment which never really came to the front until maybe I was three or four, mate. And uh, we were on holiday in Kenya, I think it was, my mum and dad said. We were at this buffet, picking stuff up. And uh, these parents said to my mum and dad, it's really good that your kid can speak Swedish at such a young age. And my mum and dad was like, okay, maybe there's a problem because he can't speak Swedish at all. Got that kind of sorted out. But as a kid, I would say I was really quiet, really shy. So shy, mate, that when it came to, like, meeting my mates, that, you know, back in the day when you used to have to phone them. <laughs> You'd phone them. I couldn't do it. I'd get my younger sister, mate, to phone and ask for my mate, and then I'd jump on the phone. Things like getting a haircut. Hated it because it brought attention to myself. Even things like sports day, school, I always wanted to just be middle ground, just average. If I was bad, that would bring attention to me. If I was good, that bring attention to me. And it's just not really what I wanted. Roll on a few years and we're talking maybe fourth, fifth year. Gaining probably a wee bit in confidence, a wee bit in popularity. But probably at that age, mate, was when the, the booze culture that's in Britain mm -hmm. probably first started hitting me. Yeah, so probably 14, 15 we're talking here. Um, probably started boozing. It was... Uh, Whatever was in my dad's garage, mate, I remember well, it was Bex. I mean, Be I don't even know if Bex is around anymore. I think it is still around. Is it? Yeah, you get the, the non-alcoholic non Bex it's now. absolutely <laughs> horrible stuff, especially when you're 14, 15, but that's, that's all I had and that's what I was drinking, you know, Bex. And then even being 16, believe it or not, mate, I looked pretty much like this. Had a beard, was a wee bit tall, so getting into like pubs and clubs... Wasn't it really an issue? It was Kamalik you grew up? Was it Kamalik you grew up? You know you're from Kamalik now, it's Kamalik you grew up. So, started and grew up, mate, but after age of two, Kelly, so since then, that's where I've been Kamalik, mate. Mm -hmm. And um, I think with the booze, I don't know that I ever, I ever actually liked the taste of booze, mate. It was only ever a social thing for me. So all my mates did it, so that was my opportunity to really kind of socialise with friends. Mm -hmm. I think through the years, booze has probably kind of gone to it, what led to my, my downfall as such. And in the younger years, mate, I never got a hangover. I, I still don't get a hangover. Booze doesn't affect me in that way. But it gives me terrible mind fog. You know that way where you... I, I, I know the mind fog very well, my man. I, like, I just can't concentrate on business. I can't really do anything for days on end. And on top of that, I get really bad anxiety, which... Never used to be, but the more I drink now, the kind of worse it gets, and I just kind of contend with that feeling. So when you were younger, mate, were you boozing with your mates every like every weekend? Was, oh. it, was it pubs or was it like we used to get the parks and that? Is when we were younger, mate. Obviously, you're in the cemeteries, and I don't know why it's a cemetery, mate. Is it because nobody else is there? Cemeteries, parks, and then probably when I was fifteen, my mum was kind of that age where she was like. Do you know what? Have your mates over. She, I think she would rather I drank in the house. And she knew what was happening and where I was as opposed to out there getting up to no good. And I think, I think everybody obviously listening to this podcast will relate to that massively, mate, because yeah. it was what we all done, well, especially fear for the west of Scotland, when it was there, the parks, or it was here, there, and everywhere. Then when you get to like 16, 17, 18, you start sneaking into the pubs and stuff. And it was easy done at that age, mate. And there was like a pure booze culture, which... It maybe isn't so prevalent now. Um, I think the younger people don't go out as much. Well, that's COVID or just it's not. But 
you go out like Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Well, it's actually Thursday, Friday, Saturday for me uh, without fail. But it was kind of from there, maybe that 18 to 21 when I was boozing all the time, that booze maybe started to become an issue. And it probably started more, mate, when my mum and dad left. So I was 18 and my mum and dad decided that they wanted to go to Portugal, mate. Now, obviously, I had the opportunity to go with them, and I think in their heads that I was going to do it. I was just going to go with them. And then I can't remember, with two weeks to go, they were like, you've not like, packed any of your stuff. Like, I was like, I'm not going. I was like, I've told you, I'm, I'm not going with you. I don't want that life, which, I mean, I've been hindsight, mate, I should have went. But for me, at that age, I was like, I couldn't think what I would do over there. It's a different sort of culture, and the only really thing there was was to work in a bar. So, what, what, what was your decision? Why were you want to stay and not go to put? What was what was your thought process at that age, mate? I think, my, honestly, mate, my thought process was that I was going to stay here and do something because for Portugal, the only thing I could see myself doing was bar work, which was obviously what mom and dad were going over to do. They were going to kind of semi-retire, buy a bar, or work in a bar, and have that lifestyle. Because to be honest, mate, I mean, my parents weren't that old. We're talking about. 15 years ago. So my dad would have been like 50. My mum, 40-something. But I decided to stay. And um, at the time, <laughs> honestly, mate, it's madness when I look back. At the time, I lived with my girlfriend in a caravan. In a, in a caravan, <laughs> mate. And I don't know. I just thought that would be all right. And were you... Were you living in, with your mum and dad then when they left, you went to live in the caravan? Or were you living in a caravan? No, mate. Like, literally, my mum and dad left... Her aunt kind of owned this land. We got this caravan put in. Mm-hmm. It wasn't even like a new caravan or that, mate, just old fashioned. Um, she was a plumber. They got um, like heating and that put in it for us. And we stayed there. And, how, um, how was that, mate? Pretty torturous, mate. As you can imagine, it gets cold this time of year, regardless of whether you've got central heating or not, mate. It's fucking freezing. But it was all right. It was probably, as we'll probably go on in the story, mate, everything that you go through, whether it's shit or not, teaches you something. Right, so I learned something along the way. Fast forward a wee bit. We split up. I'm working in Asda, mate. That was not the plan, obviously. What age were you here then, mate, when you Asda? <sighs> probably about 20, mate. And were you still boozing all the way up? Oh, I mean, this is just... probably worse when I got that single and how, lifestyle. And how were you feeling then, mate, in this period of time? I would say, honestly, mate, at this point, I'm still okay. I'm kind of enjoying, enjoying life, kind of. There's obviously the the financial strain of being single and living by yourself. Oh, definitely, aye. Um, as I'm sure you can relate to. And I'm working in Asdemate, so I'm not exactly flush. I'm not making good dough. I went to uni. I actually went to Glasgow Uni, mate, to do sports science. I lasted a grand total of six months, and uh, I hated it with a passion. If I could describe one moment in my life when I hated something, it was university, mate. And I had the chance when I finished to do a plumbing um, apprenticeship. It was between the two. Mm-hmm. But being honest, mate, I'm not really very hands-on. I'm not really much a DIY person. I still make a joke about that to this day. I'm not really much a DIY person, <laughs> right? <I'm> exactly <laughs> right. Like, well, my dad wasn't good at it. I'm not very good at it. To be fair, my dad, mate, he's actually got better since he came back. Is he? Your mum must be putting up to task. (laughs) (laughs) Even to this day, mate, like, I'm okay at DIY. I just have no enjoyment from it. So the only time that I do a task, the wife will tell you, she kind of starts it, can't finish it, and then I feel like I'm left to do it. Anyways, hey, did you Full-time in Asda. That was going to be a goal. And they sell you this dream, mate, that you can move up the management ladder. So be you, you go section leader, then you'll be management before you know it. At that, I probably met, to be fair, and as does somewhere like my best mates, still friends with them to this day, but also with that came even more boost, mate, because we were out all the time. And it was great fun. It was honestly great fun. Moved in with one of the guys that I worked with. Um, I think we did a year or two together. And then this is the sort of <clears throat> downfall kind of starts a bit then near, near the end so I must have been 22 mate at mm-hmm. this point we're living together it's alright I've got a bird he's got a bird but 
we're going to, he wants to move in by himself, which understand, you can't live with your mate forever. Yeah, definitely. Um, and he's a wee bit older, don't let him forget that, mate. He's about five years than me. Mm-hmm. He moves in. I'm supposed to be moving in with my girlfriend. Two weeks to go and we split up. So I'm sort of in this position, mate, where okay, I don't really have anywhere to go right now. But you're kind of young, you're like, right, okay, I'll deal with it near the time. Oh, this is your first real girl in love, real girlfriend in love with me? I, I would probably say so, mate, you're at that age, I think, aren't you? I think that one at that age, mate, it's always the fucking hardest one, isn't it? It is, I just think it's the end of the world. Yeah, end of the world, because you're not sure how to deal with the emotions, aren't you? Because you've yeah. never experienced it before. No, and... I'll touch on later why I think it's important that people don't fall for that trap and learn to love themselves first before they even think about liking somebody else. But basically, it's moving day for both of us. He's moving into his new crib. I'm sitting there like, I don't know what I'm going to do. I've literally got not shitloads of stuff, mate, because I was a single guy. It's only what I'd accumulated over the years. My worldly possessions, a bed, a TV, (laughs) and some rather random shit. And I'm like, so... My mum's friend at this point is like, I've got a spare garage. You can put your stuff in there. I'm like, okay, well, that's, that's a start. Get a van. Drive up there. Load my worldly possessions into this garage. Ditch the van. And then I'm in my car. I'm just like, what now? I've like, I literally have nowhere to go. And I think at that age, and this is probably the, the sort of start or maybe like depressive thoughts, that you don't want to be a burden to me. I just don't want to be a hassle to somebody. My mum and dad stay in Portugal. My mate's obviously happy. He's just moved into a new place and it's got rid of me, per se. Last thing I want to do is, oh, by the way, can I just uh, stay here for a bit longer? So, spend two nights in the car. Two nights you spent? Two nights in the car, mate, sleeping. Still working, obviously. But, you know, nobody would root... Nobody would really know. I've got a gym membership, mate. I've still got a job. So it's all right. I'd obviously went to a housing association to speak to them about, like, can I get somewhere to stay? And, you know, this, this is probably another topic, mate, but I'll touch on it a wee bit. But it's really difficult for a young single guy to get somewhere, despite the fact that you have some money. Mm-hmm. I'm not rich, by the way, at this point, but I've got enough that I can probably pay some rent. Probably not enough that I could pay rent by myself for like a, a rental property. Mm-hmm. Basically, they said they could accommodate me, but it'd be like a a hostel style. So me and maybe like two or three other guys. And I remember I'm like, that's not really something that I want to be going down right now because I was like, I'm not. I've like I've got money to pay you. Anyways, my old neighbour bails me out. She's like, you can. I've got a spare room. Stay with me for a bit. Okay, cool. So I do that, but at this point, mate, I'm still. Were you boozing or anything? Like, that's what I'm about to say. Every night, were you? How was how was that, mate? Because obviously, I, that's what people usually obviously not self medicating, but you usually I, use the booze or whatever it is. I mean, they cope with that situation. I is wouldn't that? say at this point I'm an alky, mm-hmm. but I'm definitely binge drinking, like with without fail. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, maybe even a Sunday if it takes place. And that's probably because I'm feeling pretty lonely, mate. Don't really want to deal with the situation on hand. And then eventually this is probably the spiral point. Get my own place, which should be a happy moment, I suppose. But it was probably anything but, mate. How do you think you were feeling? Like, obviously, you're talking about your situation there, but how do you think you were feeling like that inside? Like, obviously, you still had a job, you still got to the gym, you were obviously looking for a... But what was the what was the, the underlying? Was there a real internal struggle there, per se? What was, the, what was the, the thought process of that, mate? As I say, mate, this is probably when it was starting to get pretty bad. That sort of smile on the outside, but you're slowly dying in the inside. That sort of... What is the point in me being here? And, you know, that is something that when we lead up to this email to the Samaritans, that, that was at the point I was at, mate. You know, I was living by myself. Other than work, probably didn't really have anything to get excited about. I was probably a casual gym goer at this point. But in all honesty, my mood was probably affecting my ability to want to go to the gym. Definitely, mate. Like, 
I knew that it would probably make me feel better. But at that point, I was like, last night I went to, I went to go to work. And obviously, work's a drain, mate, because I'm pretending to be something that I'm not. I'm pretending everything's all right. I'm going home and I'm fucking miserable. But be want for it maybe I think at those stages I was quite prone to just going to sleep going in and being like alright what could I do don't want to feel this way sleep would probably be a good option and I think as well I, mean, I don't know if you ever felt that way mate but I was just tired from life mate when I was going I'm about the same age I was going through a bad gambling addiction I was the exact same mate I'd fucking yeah. just sleep Twelve, put the covers over my head, and I just laugh. Fuck this for a game of soldiers. That's, that's exactly. I know exactly what you're talking about there. And um, obviously, like one of the best things you can do is get some fresh air, mate. Get some fresh air. So I quite often drive to fucking Trun. But I remember one night. I say one night. A few nights in particular, driving down and thinking, I could just drive off this cliff. Like I could just drive off, and I'd just be done with it. Could drive into this car coming towards me right now. And it'd be alright. And the only thing, mate, the only thing that probably stopped me was the thought of my mum and grand. Again, I didn't even, I didn't want to be a burden on somebody. You know, that hassle. I didn't want somebody else for me to be gone, which obviously eases my pressure. I didn't want somebody else to have to pick up the pieces of somebody feeling sad. And it's a different burden, isn't it, if you I, end up doing something that... Obviously, you're saying here, and then you're leaving that burden on your parent and everybody you're leaving behind. Hundred percent. Honestly, mate, if the if the devil came to me and said, "Look, I'll end it for you right here, right now," but I'll erase everybody's memories, so that nobody ever remembers you, nobody ever thinks about you. But I'll, I can take you out of the equation. I would have taken it in a second, mate. Why do you think? And obviously, over the years, mate, it's been really highlighted about men's mental health and obviously the suicide rates in men. Why do you? Why do you think that is? I think the first one is the lack of ability to be able to talk. Because, again, soon you feel that way, mate, you, you're that... I keep coming back to it, but you're a burden. So I don't want to... I don't want to phone my mum in Portugal, mate, and be like, how's it going, mum? I'm feeling pretty suicidal here. Yeah, I need some help. Because how do you even, like, bring that conversation up? I think that's a big problem with men. How do you bring it up? Um, there's probably an element of... A generational thing as well, mate. Obviously, we're that age where you're tough. Real men don't cry, mate. Um, suck it up. You'll be all right. Just suck it up. But I think sometimes you get to a stage where you can't suck it up anymore. And I think men are guilty for, unfortunately, they, they re literally reach that stage, mate, and they're like, I've had enough. I just need to end it. So how do you get to that stage where you can speak to somebody. Even your mates, you think to yourself, well, I could tell my mates. But in your head, you're like, they'll probably just make a joke of it. Which is maybe like a mate thing to do. But how do you get it across that you're actually being serious? That I could do something bad right now. And again, when you feel shit, mate, do you really want to put that on your mates as well? That was probably my biggest thing. I just, I didn't want somebody else to feel like I was a hassle. I didn't want to burden somebody else with me and feel like, are you okay, Adam? I message every day, I text every day. I just didn't want that. So for me, mate, it was then, I remember sitting in the library, the public library, mate, which probably suggests to me, this would have been, what, 2012 or 13? The internet must have been new or maybe I couldn't afford it, but then, mate, in my house, but sitting in the library. And I was like, right, I need to do something. Googling it on the public computer probably not the best idea in the world, mate. <laughs> it's where you obviously got the information to yeah. contact somebody, innit? And uh, contacted the Samaritans. Mm -hmm. That was my kind of first protocol. And I remember sitting in the library, mate, the Dick Institute, for those that are from Kilmarnock, public library. Now, I remember tears, tears in my eyes, mate, as I'm writing this letter. Now, the question is, do I have sunglasses on? Because I'm not sure, or am I just sitting in the library... With tears in my eyes thinking, fuck, I don't even care anymore. Writing this letter, I've just been like, all the things we've just talked about, mate. 23, don't feel like I've got any hope. Don't feel like I've got any purpose. Don't really see the point of me being here right now. But I remember being quite polite. <laughs> quite polite in this email, being like, any response back would be appreciative. 
that sort of way. And um, all credit to them, they got back to me pretty quickly. Um, now, I remember it was, it was Joe at the Smartens. I, I can't recall if the person's name was Joe, or that's just the generic Joe that gets back to you. And they're just asking things like, how do you feel? Do you th One of the big questions I remember them asking was, do you feel like you're going to do something catastrophic or deadly right now? To which I was like, probably at this moment in time, no. But I can't guarantee that that will stay this way because the only reason I'm not really doing something is because I don't want to leave that with my mum and my gran. And there was a couple of phone calls back and forth and I felt a bit better. That's it. You know, if anybody is watching this and maybe having those same feelings, particularly those people, mate, that maybe feel okay on the outside, like, you know, they're pretending to their wife, their family, their friends, their work colleagues that I'm okay, but you feel like you need to do something, you need to talk to somebody. 100% agree, mate. It's the best thing I've ever done was uh, obviously ask for help. I just want to take you back to your Samaritans later there, mate, is mm -hmm. to highlight to obviously things that you wrote on it. You wrote one like hope yep. and purpose. So I think today's age, we young men and men in general, that is something that there's a burden for society on is like, I need to have purpose, I need to have fucking hope, I need to be successful as a young man or I don't have respect or and you're, they're comparing themselves to other Men, does that make sense? So I, th I think this is where the problem is and it lies with young guys and there's a lot of pressure on them to deal with that. Mm -hmm. yeah, massively, mate. I think it kind of only gets worse with social media now because you see folk, 21, maybe a YouTube sensation, made millions and millions. And, you know, if you take me, I'm like, oh, fuck, I'm working in Asda. Why would anybody possibly either A, want to be with me? And you know, how do I even get out of this hole? By the way, there's nothing wrong with working in Asda, should I? mentioned but there is this societal thing that oh, you're just a shopkeeper you just stack shelves like who really needs you and I think you're right mate like there's that pressure on society whereas what we should really be doing for people that age is saying look enjoy the process learn about yourself take this opportunity to maybe not burden yourself with like businesses and all these things because as we'll talk about when we start a business, mate, business is stressful. That is stressful, mate, 100%. And you mentioned a wee thing there about obviously influential figures on social media. A big influential social media figure to it right now is obviously Andrew Tate, who's doing a lot of drive for men's mental health. What do you think about him, mate? My take on Andrew Tate is he's obviously one, as his agent has come out and said, he is what you see on social media as a character. That's not, not necessarily in the entirety of who he is. I think some of the stuff he says about men getting their shit together, effectively, you know, don't worry about women and stuff like that right now and focusing your fitness and focusing your goals and timekeeping, stuff like that is valid. But I think it needs to be seen with purpose in the right place in the right time. And we have to remember, who are you speaking to? Because speaking to somebody that's already in a low, it might inspire them to go and do something, but it might make them feel like, fucking hell, how can I even contemplate getting up at 5am when I can barely even lift my head off the pillow to do anything? And I think this was the whole thing when he was getting talking about depression and get to, and it blew up, like, oh, he doesn't believe depression is real, etc. Yep. And obviously, anybody who's suffered with depression, what you're saying there is try to get your bed. And you mentioned it earlier as well, when you were obviously struggling to get your bed too, you know what I mean? Aye, and sometimes hearing other people, when it's, you know, it should be an inspirational story, mate, but when you're in that state, you're like, that is the last thing I need right now. What you need is a habit and some structure, probably like for the simple things in life to start with. Just baby steps in it to get, get out of your bed and get a shower to start. I, it may honestly, as you had mentioned earlier, go and get some fresh air. Sometimes that's all people need in a chat. Mm -hmm. um, I, don't, I don't know if you've heard of them, mate, but uh, Andy's Andy's Man's Club or Andy's Men's Club. It's sort of like a, a new club aimed at helping men open up and talk about themselves. I mean, I say new, I think they've been around since 2016 or 17, mate. But basically there's clubs everywhere and they do it online and they do it in person. But their goal is to get men to come along and just talk openly. 
And I think that is something that men really should take on board, mate, is be in an environment and in another group of men where they can open up and yep. let their problems go, then go back to their daily life, whatever that may be, with their wife or their girlfriends, and then if they've got any issues, they've got their wee group, their support network. There should be obviously more of that. There should, there should be more. And I think, as you say, mate, like being in a place where, let's just take me and you, for example, mate, and we're in a room and I talk about me, the person beside me then is like, Someone else feels like how I feel right now. That can be a relief straight away. Like, okay, that's kind of good. I'm not an individual. Like, somebody else does feel this way. And I think we need to start talking about, like, the differences between... If somebody comes in and has got a broken leg, mate, people say, oh, you're right, mate. You'll be, you'll be, I'm sure you'll be all right soon. And you can see that they've got a broken leg and there's something wrong with them. If you come in, mate, and say, I'm not really feeling today, my head's not really quite in it, something like, oh, come on, just toughen up, mate, you'll be all right. But we probably need to get start getting rid of that stigma that just because it's not physically being able to see it, there's nothing wrong with you. Mm-hmm. You can exactly, you can see that. I think you can see that demeanour on people, mate, obviously, when it's no physical, it's mental, just with their energy and their attitude and the way they're obviously coming across and interacting. And as you say, withdrawn for society and withdrawn for people, and it's a massive indicator. Where would you, where would you say young men, mate, at the moment should, if they are struggling, should go for help and ask for help? With yourself, obviously, you went to Samaritans, but mm-hmm. what would you say the steps would be for them now? I, w- I would honestly say, like the Samaritans, you can't go wrong. It's obviously one you could email them because in this day and age, mate, you might not necessarily want to get in the phone. I know I didn't. I don't want to jump on a phone call and fucking in tears, trying to mumble my way through how I'm feeling. And sometimes it's it's difficult to express in words how you actually feel, whereas at least if you're writing it, you can, one, have a think about, fuck, I really want to send this. Two, sometimes writing it down, mate, alone, you can be like, right, that's actually pretty deep what I've wrote down here. Maybe I actually really do need help. So Smartens is always a good shout. Two, maybe people like me and you, mate, now I'm not saying please don't contact us for actual help, right? Because I'm not a counsellor. But what we can do is we can at least point you in the right direction and tell you our own story of how, look, it's probably going to be okay. Don't do anything stupid, but it's probably going to be okay because we've been there, we've done that, and this is what we personally did. I would never advise somebody because it's not my place. I don't know where somebody is. I would hate to have that on my conscience. And places like Andy's Men's Club, honestly, it sounds like a great thing. I would actually love to go along to something like this and... Maybe tell my own story. Tell people that, look, it's all right to feel this way. That There is hope in the other side of it. But there's going to have to be some steps that you're going to have to take along the way. The first one is talking about it, mate, in my opinion. 100%. What would you say was your turning point for that email, mate? What was your, what were you like, obviously you wrote the email and then what was the next steps? There must have been something that you thought, do you know what, there's something else in life I can go on and do something. Yeah, mate, I think you're not far off there. Like, obviously, the Samaritan's phone calls was good. They kind of gave me that little bit of hope of, like, you know, hang in there a wee bit longer. These feelings won't always last forever. Think of, like, the people that you love. That's it, right? Okay. So, first step for me, mate, was I ditched the booze. Because booze was helping me at the time, because obviously I was going out with my pals, I was socialising. It was, it was nice to get out and socialise and... But then, was it all just a, a demeanour, mate? Like, you're putting on a happy face and the, the booze is helping that at the time. But as you know, mate, the, the come down, when you have the booze, when you're feeling miserable, it's fucking horrendous. Mm-hmm. It, it doesn't help you at all. Hangover, mate, is it? Uh, ha- I say, mate, for me, it was never a hangover, but that anxiety and kind of depressive thoughts were definitely more at the forefront after I'd been drinking. So I was like, right, the booze needs to go. So I was, I'd have been 23. Uh, about 23, so I was like, right, booze went. That was the first thing it went. Secondly, was like thinking about like, well, would I, would I actually want to do? Like, what would actually bring me some joy in my life? Which I'll touch on soon. And thirdly, was I actually unplugged the TV, mate. I remember specifically unplugging the TV, which was like a fucking 30-inch TV, mate. 
No, you get these days. It was. I, I would have been big back in the day. <laughs> one of those ones that you know, with the big king at the back, it's like absolute tinted. Oh, like <laughs> the big massive ones. Uh, you put money in. Uh, I honestly, remember, we're just like that. I can remember my granddad wanted them. Used to put fifty pence in, and we come on. <laughs> uh, I, I remember mate, when I moved into this flat, I flitted myself because again, don't want any hassle, mate. And this thing weighed a fucking ton. I was up three flights of stairs up to my flat and heaving that thing up there. <laughs> so I just left it at the bottom <laughs> but uh, I unplugged that <clears throat> and I started reading and uh, a couple of folk that probably get, got me through the times mate was Tony Robbins Tony Robbins right um, I think it was Awaken the Giant Within at the time um, and my mate actually gave me an audio tape <laughs> who, who was that? Uh, my pal Lewis Sampson who right. worked at as the mate he gave me an audio tape I could I download he, he was a guy to go to mate if you ever wanted it was that like just a self-help was self-help a motivational speaker aye from, from Tony Robbins mate so it was the Awaken oh, the, just, right, aye so it was the Awaken the Giant within um, listen to that and it's really good mate despite the fact that it's a wee bit aged now because I think it's from the early 90s um, but it's quite step by step it's like you know 30 days here's what you're going to do today day one day two you know, he shouts at you come on go do it today I think the self-help industry's just boomed in it over the last, well, what, 15, 10, 15 years. It's oh, became massive. Massive, and mate. That's all it takes, mate, a book or an audio book, and then it can change your full way of thinking. And I think that the most important thing when you decide that, right, okay, I'm going to read a self-help book, is take some action. I mean, I don't know how many books you've read in your life, mate, but I've read fucking hundreds. Some of them are finished and then never, <laughs> never done a thing with. Whereas now I've kind of got a different style of reading. I'm often highlight things and try and do the thing straight away so like if you know if he says you know sort out your morning routine before I do it now I'm right okay let's sit down and sort out that morning routine what would minds look like what would uh, like minds to be and um, fitness was probably quite a big aspect mate a guy called Greg Plitt I don't know if you've ever heard of him um, he was a sort of fitness guy at the time American guy Maybe like a maybe a wee bit OTT mate, but he liked talking about that sort of self help and exercise. That's YouTube, was it? Um, it was YouTube, mate. Um, unfortunately, he actually passed away, mate. He was racing a train. He was supposed to run in this train track, and he, he tripped up in the train. Him, that was the end of him, mate. I'm massive star back <laughs> in the day, but that that was the sort of things that I did to get back on track. But T- Tony Robbins was definitely up there, mate, and ditching the booze. Yeah, that's massive. Well, I think the first one is ditching the booze. Because what usually is, we obviously touched on earlier, is people self-medicating in booze or drugs or whatever they're self-medicating in, make it be anything. Mine's was obviously gambling, people's food, and that's obviously got to be detrimental. But if you can, as you say, stop the fucking booze and focus and get a focus and a purpose, whether it's a self-help book to give that first initial stage of 30 days, right, I'm getting back in track here and then you can move on for there. Yep. So what was your steps into becoming personal trainer, mate, for then? Was that your focus and your purpose after I th- that? I think that was sort of the aim, mate. Obviously, fitness had taken like a bit of highlight in my life because obviously I wasn't boozing, so you needed something to do at the weekends, mate. Um, I talk about that loneliness mate when you first I'm sure you've experienced when you first move in by yourself mate you think it's all great until the first weekend you decide to sit in you think I've not spoke to any kind in like 48 hours and I think the biggest one mate is obviously when you come off the booze as well because that's a relationship you've got with the booze and when you take the booze out of the equation you're like fuck yeah. and I'm lonely here so when you, uh, it's when, a lot of people relate to that because when I stopped the booze for a year mate and I came off it I was like what the fuck did I do on a Friday and Saturday night or what did I do on a Friday a, a Saturday morning or a Sunday morning because you're like usually you're hungover then it's mad mate you end up with all this time and you're not tra- you're not trying to ditch your friends mate but your pals are all like are oh, we going to a pub you're like ah it's not really for me especially at that stage mate I, did, I didn't have the mental fortitude to go out and not drink that wasn't really an option at the time. It was, I just need to stay away from that environment. So yeah, I think that first time when you're in the house, you're by yourself and you kind of get to know yourself a wee bit, mate, because it it's quite sad if you don't have any plans, mate, and you're, and you know, if you finish working on a Friday, you go back to the Monday and you don't speak to anybody. That's sort of way you sit in the house and you're, 
Hello? Just checking your voice still. <laughs> your voice still works, mate. But yeah, so PT was kind of what I was thinking about, but everybody, I mean everybody, mate, tried to put me off it. There's no money in PT, uh, short-lived. Who was this, your family, friend? <laughs> everybody, mate. But then my point was, well, I'm not exactly loaded now anyway, like... I'm not exactly living a vet, particularly fulfilled life. Doesn't matter. I might as well go and do something that I want to do. Try it, tick it off. So, got myself qualified, mate. Which, to be fair, coincided probably with this uh, the big boss to go and do it with my daughter being born. born. That was the sort uh, the major turning point, mate. Where I was like, right, something needs to give. And um, the, the story I always tell about when I was like, right, something needs to give is, I just pictured my daughter being like, primary one in school, and having like, their show and tell day, mate, right? You know, as they go up, well, what does your dad do? And I didn't want her to say, that my dad works in Asda. Not normally working in Asda, by the way, but I just didn't want that to be my story. Mm-hmm. I was like, I really need to change this. And the second one was, mate, I didn't want anybody to say, that couldn't be a sports day, I couldn't be a parents evening, couldn't pick her up from school. I was like, right, I need to be self-employed. I need to look after myself. It needs to be for me. So, got my qualification. So, the wee one must have been seven months, maybe. I remember sitting in the garage at night, getting through it all. Um, to be fair, it was pretty straightforward, man. I think it's even easier now than it was back then. So, if everybody watching, if, <laughs> just because you're a PT doesn't mean that you're a PT all of a sudden. Would you agree with that statement, mate? <laughs> yeah, it's just a bit of piece of paper on it aye the, the, the real learning was to come so got qualified and I, I started my first uh, boot camp mate in Kamarnock mm-hmm. which obviously we'll, we'll relate back to later yeah. <laughs> it, it was kind of good mate like I actually had loads of people come but I had no business with mate how, how are you feeling in this wee period of time because you've obviously covered there a lot about having your kid there mate and then I could imagine that being a turning point and what you've already said it sounds like she was your that was your purpose and your driving force behind things which I think many people in this day and age mate they've got kids in that and they don't they think what's my purpose what's my drive first and foremost it's them but then obviously it's a little thing you've brought into this world yep yeah mate I think that was massive turning point for me was the wee one being born because well I'll start with when the missus get pregnant right I was like we'd only been going out for six months mate and, six uh, months now. Six pregnant. months. She's pregnant, mate. And the, the phone call actually came on maybe the second last night, mate, when I was in the lads' holiday. And what age were you then? I'd have been 24, probably, mate. Like 25. Mate. I, was, I was a fucking record 24, mate. I could never have. I would have fucked me like that. Well, I say, mate, I'm on a lads' holiday. She phones me to tell me this. I'm like, I, I never wanted kids, mate. Mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm open and saying this. I, I was never interested in kids. I was like, Phew. so do what, do what you do when you find out so that news, mate. Your whole life's fucking changed, didn't it, completely? Go out and get steaming. <laughs> I was hard to go out and get absolutely smashed. Um, didn't tell the boys, because I was like, I can't, mate. I'm like, how do I? I don't even know how to do this. I'm not ready to tell somebody else. And they're all around about the same age as well. Yeah. yeah. None of them have got kids, mate. Uh, to this day, actually, my mates have had kids until like the past year. And I'm kind of like, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm nine years on a year's journey now. Uh, which is obviously yeah. like, again, that, that was difficult, mate. I, I've got this kid. Nobody else has got a kid. So I'm trying to live this lifestyle of still trying to be, hang out with my friends. But I've got nobody to talk to about being a dad, mate. I don't know the fucking first thing. Um, in fact, worst of all, obviously, she's pregnant. We don't talk about it for probably, I would say, the guts of 10 weeks, mate. I'm like, I don't want to talk about it now. Couldn't bring myself to actually probably deal pro- with this probably processing it. scenario. And then, um, obviously, she's quite excited. She's told her mum and dad, 12-week scan's coming up. Yeah, where you kind of make sure everything's all right. You can officially tell people. We go for that. And she's like, you're going to have to tell your mum and dad. I'm ready to tell my mum and dad yet. I'm 24, mate. I'm still working in Asda and I've only known you for six months. <laughs> I'm like, right. Okay, so I 
think maybe it's for 13 or 14 weeks, mate. I'm eventually like... You're still getting to you know somebody in that time massively. Oh, pregnant. massively, and mate. Then obviously throwing a pregnancy <laughs> a kid. Just fucking... So tell mum and dad, they, they're happy, obviously, they're going to be grandparents. And um, I think probably about that stage, mate, she moved in. I had my own flat this time that I'd bought because... I only bought this house, mate, because I vowed to myself that I'd never be fucking homeless again. That was a kind of strong takeaway I could probably take that from living in a car and living with other people. I was like, right, that cannot happen again. I need somewhere to say that this is my home, that, that no matter what happens, this is mine. A base in it to work from? And to this day, mate, I still live in this house. She's moved in with me. And uh, obviously, we go through the whole thing. At this point, I also agreed to not drink for a year. You know, she's pregnant. I don't think it's fair that I go out boozing and she can't. And I think it's, you know, it's important that you're there. And uh, I'm reading books, mate, on how to be a dad because I don't have a fucking clue. Up, up to those 24 years of age, I've not really been around kids at all. Don't know anything about how to hold them. Don't know how to change a nappy. Mm-hmm. I, mate, I don't know anything about kids. Which, you know, hopefully somebody watching this, if, you, if you're in that same scenario, there is hope. <laughs> but Learn on the job, I think, in it. One of the, yeah, mate, but nothing. One of the life experiences. Nothing can prepare you for <laughs> the <laughs> moment you have a kid, mate. What have you got if you, nothing can prepare you for changing an appy there? I thought that's Aye. what you've got to say. <laughs> but, so the first thing I said, mate, was that obviously she has the Wayne. I think the Wayne was born at quarter past four. So we're just past that curfew of being let out. So the first night she spends in hospital, I go home and I get to go back the first the next morning, first thing, we can pick her up. But as soon as I got in, I was like, I need to change this nappy now. I was like, if I don't do this now, there's a good chance I'll never change a nappy. I was like, I just need to get it out of the way. And when you're in the hospital, mate, maybe the advice has changed now. But they're like, I would recommend you don't use baby wipes because they're sensitive and all that. So they give you fucking cotton wool. It's a, I don't know if any of you or parents you've probably never dealt with this in your life mate no but I've no mate I don't think I want kids mate <laughs> <laughs> you've got this shitey nappy and you've got cotton wool you know cotton wools mate and you're, you're trying to fucking and it's, it's honestly everywhere mate you've never done it for your life and I'm like give me a set of wipes I, was like, I don't care what this the nurse has said I was like I can't do this with cotton wool and I don't recommend anybody who does try it with cotton wool mate I don't care what the facts are it's horrendous but yeah that, you know, having a kid, mate, is horrendous in your sleep, horrendous in your relationship. Especially when you're still getting to know each other. Oh, from mate. The fact that obviously, you and Karen are still, and you're married now, it's yeah, yeah, yeah. a testament to what you have came from. It is, mate, but I think what a lot of people do, mate, is they go the opposite way and they, they try and escape the reality. Whereas I was like, right, what, what can I do to be the best dad that I can possibly be? How can I be involved? I don't want to be. One of those dads, it's like, Karen's like, I'm going out, and you're like, I can't look after the kid. I, I didn't want to be that. I wanted it to be like, well, cool. I know exactly what I'm doing. So I've always been involved, like, since we were young, mate. That's, and I think it's a generational thing. Like, my dad was a good dad, mate, right? I think, obviously, you've got a responsibility in it. Aye. You obviously go, I've brought this wee kid into this fucking into this big bad fucking mad world that we live in at the moment and take responsibility and take charge yep which I, I, don't, I don't think enough men do mate I think as you say a lot of men try and hide away from it or they see their they almost see their kid as a burden like I can't do anything because I've got a kid it should be the absolute polar opposite mate now do I recommend trying to do something in that first year absolutely not mate because if you've ever been sleep deprived what you think might be sleep deprived, you, mate? You still were you still working in Asda? Or were you doing your boot camp at this time? Um, still working Asda at this point when she was just young, mate. But basically, from she was about seven months, I was qualified. So I was kind of like working towards it at this point, mate, because I was like, something needs to give. And what was that like running your boot camp, mate? Obviously, you must have been buzzing because you were away for, away for Asda essentially, yep. and you were doing your own wee thing. With there was an excitement, mate, because at this point I'd reduced my hours in Asda. It was just my hours, so I could do this boot camp. So I was still probably working 25 hours in Asda, maybe, mate, but it was mostly weekend work, long hours at the weekend, like five to two most days. I think I did one day during the week. But I had this boot camp, mate, training people doing something that I liked. But then 
as well, you know, mate, the, the winter came and uh, it's dark, it's muddy, it's wet, and I didn't have a plan for what to do when you <laughs> when you boot camp that you'd run in grass. All of a sudden, no cunt wants to fucking appear at this. If I just wasted like a year and some money getting qualified and all this jazz, I was like, nah, nah, right? So, on indeed, personal trainers. So, personal trainer job up in Mullerwell, mate, right? Pure gym. Drive up there. My first thought is, it's quite far away. Aye, come on, look. Come on, look. probably took you about the same time you get here. About an hour, mate, right? I'm like, I need to do something. Come home, I do one more test run. The guy offers me the job, and I'm like, can he take it? I was like, it's just too far. I was like, that's the new one in Shawlands. It just popped up. Brand new, mate, and they're looking for PTs. I was like, this is great. I can just start for like a, an even keel with a personal trainer because everybody will win you. So I says this to this guy, he's like, well, you, you can't apply for another one. You've, I've accepted you here. I'm like, okay. I'm like, fuck him. I'm just going <laughs> to apply for it anyway. Fuck it, right? So I'm like, fuck, hopefully he doesn't say I don't know, like, ah, I don't know, talking to each other. So, anyways, <laughs> I go, and uh, that's when I first met one of my good mates, Kiss Irwin, mate. Mm-hmm. He interviews me for the job, and uh, he gives me it. I'm like, yes. So, Jollins, new PT, brand new gym, Yaldi. So, you get two days of training, mate. I don't think you got that when you started, did you? I think it was just straight in at the defense. To be fair, mate, it probably would have put you off less than what I got. <laughs> so, it's two days of training, mate. And uh, basically the first day, I think it's a Saturday, mate. Seven or eight o'clock start till 6pm. That's what you're scheduled in for. And I'm just like, my style of PT, mate, is roughly as it is to this day. I can stand there, all a bit technique and get involved a wee bit. Get up there, mate. Hey, you're going to do a spin class. I'm like, holy fuck, I've never done a spin class in my life. <laughs> so, first of all, you're made to do the spin class. My legs are like pure shaking. I'm like, all right, okay. Then you have to do the spin class yourself. It's all about like exercise to music and all this jazz, listen for the beat. I'm like, what I'm doing. Then it's a pump class, mate. I've never done a pump class in my life either. Then you have to take it and you've got your microphone attached to you and you have to take it in front of these folk that you've never met that are going to do the same job as you. And I just remember driving home thinking, what have I done? Is that, is that I, really what Were you thinking that? I, you? Honestly, mate, I was like, were you oh, not comparing it to what your eyes did, no? You, like, no, I didn't have no. that in my head. That no. me. <laughs> Do you know if I find like human nature's fucking mad? Like you're it's just, mad, mate. You just might be saying I fucking hate eyes that you know, being a personal trainer going, oh fuck I hate, I hate this as well. Yeah, but I was like, I don't think I can do this. Like honestly, mate, it was a as you know when you soon you do a different style of training for what you're used to. I'm used to going in and doing three sets of eight to ten reps chest one day biceps the next and day you're training other people I, mean, I, think, I, doing... think, I think that's obviously a, a big thing that some trainers fall into the concept is they train people how they train as well oh massively mate massively and, you know, that was all Alan Curve still to come mate <laughs> <laughs> and uh, my body was broke mate I was like oh, fucking agony and we got the next day oh we're going to do another spin class and we're going to do it I'm like I fucking hated spin, mate. Oh, I actually quite enjoyed it later on in my career, mate, but at that time I was like, but look at actually, Stephen Barry, mate, I don't know what he's up to, I think he might be a pure gym assistant manager or manager these days. I kind of, but pal Tim, there was only like 10 or 12 of us, mate, and uh, he was kind of the same boat as me, wasn't he used to this, he was like, oh, I'm fucking agony as well, and we both turned up the next day, got through it, I was like, right, at least I know that's out of the way. And uh, then started my career as a pure gym PT, mate. Which <clears throat> I decided from the early doors, mate. I said to Karen, I was like, Look, I can either half ass this or I go all in to start with. But I was like, If I go all in, then at least in one to two years, I can maybe like kind of crawl back to some sort of normality. But I was like, If I just half ass it, I'm still going to be working in Asda part time, still being here part time. Never really doing anything. So, went to Asda and I was like, right, I'll take the leap and I'll just go down to one shift, mate. So I says to him, I was like, I just want to do a Saturday. I'll just be a Saturday boy. And she's like, no, no, you can only do a Sunday. We need to work a Sunday. I'm like, that's family day. Sunday's family day. That was kind of something that we decided early doors. 
And at that, I was like, fuck it. I'm just going to quit. No other source of income at this point, mate. Don't even have a PT client. <laughs> Don't even have a PT client. I'm like, fuck it. I'm quitting. So I go home, tell Karen this. I'm like, yeah, I'm quitting. She's like, right. Karen's actually quite a voice of reason sometimes. She's like, right, okay. What are you going to do about it? <laughs> yeah. All right. I'm just going to work. I'm just going to work every day that I possibly can. And honestly, mate, to start with, just for any potential people that are thinking about a PT career and what it takes to make it, I probably worked 80 to 100 hours when I first started in pure gym. And by the way, for anybody thinking he must be making good money, nope, that was just 80 to 100 hours of hanging about the gym floor, speaking to people, trying my best to convince people that this newly qualified PT is the guy to change your life. I think you touched on it earlier, mate. It's a big learning curve to start with. My very first client. I can't even remember. Thank you. You're eight, obviously. I started a wee bit older than you. Yeah. I was thirty. You age were you there? I would younger? have been twenty-six, probably, mate. So obviously, you get younger PTs than us starting, which I think yeah. is much harder because they don't have the life experience and obviously the communication skills to deal with people, which I think is a massive part of the job, mate. It's massive, mate. Especially when if you're nineteen. Even at 26, I mean, I can maybe relate a wee bit, mate, but if somebody comes to you and they're a father or two, or a mother or two, and they're like, I want to lose weight, and you're like, how, how can you not do this? And they're like, two kids, you can't really relate to their life, mate, and the fact that they've possibly been up seven times during the night, and they've got all these other important things that come first before even thinking about their exercise. So it was a, it was a steep learning curve to start with, mate. First client was, I can't remember her name. She was about 65, mate. She just wanted to, to tone up. Tone up that old phrase, mate. That's a magic word for women. minute. I gave, I gave her... That's a language you use, isn't it? It's like, you know, she just wanted to tone up. You know, I'm, I'm a lot aware of macros and her. Get on this. And she's like, I don't really use any of this. So it was a learning curve. I think I only got a block out of her, mate, which I bought back then. would have been like four sessions, which it probably took her about eight weeks, mate, to use that. Those four sessions. So again... Not only am I learning about PT in the job, I'm learning about business, mate. Um, I don't know how you started. Hopefully you get better advice than I did, mate. But when I started, uh, I sold blocks, but it was like block of four or block eight. But that, so a block of four, four sessions. But I didn't put a timeline on how you could use those four sessions, mate. I remember that girl, mate, she took about a year to, to use up those four sessions. I was like, she just kept cancelling and cancelling. But when you first started, mate, you're in that position, you're like, don't really want to lose a client. I really need because you're obviously it's money in it, which you, you need it's money, it's clients. And you're like, oh, Jesus Christ, but yeah, steep learning curve, mate. And then um, I actually got pretty successful speaking to people, learning about people. Probably one life experience helped of what it was like to be a father that fitness can't be your only thing, and that having a six pack isn't like the be all and end all actually just being fit and healthy and look after yourself was probably better. I mean, I still had people that probably my consultation skills weren't the great, mate, when it came to, like, what's your goal? I want to get wrapped up. I probably didn't, like, sway them enough towards, like, you, know, you just want to have a nice, happy, active life. And then um had a good PT life, mate. I worked six to two most days. So how long were your PT before I joined and I met you, mate? I must have been a PT. You established, feel like you'd have been uh, I was well established, mate, when you started. I must have been two or three years, probably, in Pure so Gym. It was 2007, October 2017. I must, I must I have been. I started, and I, that's when I met you. Two years, probably, mate, of. And as, as I say, mate, I was all in. I was just going for it. So I went on rent after six months because um, I'd got myself up to like 40 sessions, um, which again is ridiculous for any PT to be in 40 sessions, mate, because. There's, there's no way I could have gave the same quality in my first session as my last. I did it anyway. I, really, I genuinely believe that I was trying my best. And um, then I kind of got my words down to what I wanted, like at six to two. I think I walked one night a week, mate. But if anything, that, I could feel that boredom kicking in again. Not that I did it of purpose, because I was enjoying myself, mate. And whenever I wasn't, I would go into Asda, mate, walk around that fruit and veg aisle, mate, and remind myself, like, okay, I've, I've got a good life. Yeah. Um, you started, and I don't think I'd met you, mate. Because yeah, obviously I was um, a rent PT, so I just did what I want. 
you could probably just started and probably had the worst shifts known to man <laughs> probably a Saturday night I or something that's what they do with honour PTs uh, and didn't they they fucking hit you with a Friday night or a Saturday night and you're just like I fucking yeah, cheers mate yeah, yeah. you'll do it anyway do you want to get started you're, you're desperate for the next new guy to come in <laughs> so you can bang off your shift percent and everybody's like oh you need to meet this guy Stuart um, he's just like you he's into his motivational stuff and I was like alright cool cool I think I met you with a chat and then with a workout, I remember with a workout, mate. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, we, I talked about starting a boot camp. I wanted to be <clears throat> up in Glasgow because that's obviously where I worked. Um, I didn't want to do it myself because I'd tried that before. You, you were kind of the same. I think you'd wanted to go the pay-as-you-go route, mate. And I was like, no, no, mate, I've tried that. Let's. <laughs> I obviously started and I was wet behind ears because I was just new to the piece. I was trying to learn. So yeah. I was basically, I was effectively learning off of you, mate. Do you know what I mean? I, I, I learned, like, obviously, all your mistakes for a boot camp. So I was just going with the flow and what you were saying, pretty much. And uh, when I think back to that time, mate, when we started Body Fit Camp, what was our first name? Shred camp or something like that. It started the shred camp and the pure gym and the free classes, the free boot camp right. classes. Then I evolved to obviously going in that recce room, Pollock Park, and finding yeah. the cricket club and old Mary coming and trying moving us. So uh, that, she was fucking mad, Todd. Uh, she was, man, mate. Luckily, we kind of befriended her. We kind of got in there. I think that's what you have to do, isn't it? We fucking eccentric people who are just vying for oh, your show. Yeah. I remember the first, because the first day we went to do it there. The, the tennis courts were open well, like, we'll go in there she'd clocked us and had padlocked in the next day <laughs> <laughs> so we, we had ten folk in a fucking in a bag full of some cones <laughs> a couple of fucking blue mats I, I was uh, like that was for your old boot camp was it it was mate it was just stuff that I had I think we had like some, um, some dumbbells <laughs> and uh, I remember the fuck mate we just met these folk and I think the first thing we made them do was we must have, must have ran about a mile mate to the grass bit over by the um, Borough Collection. Uh, the Borough Collection. We did the workout there. It was, it was fun, mate. And then, well, well, you know, when I think back to first starting, mate, it was like the most fun time I've probably had in my whole career. I can remember starting that, mate. I was, I was, I felt on top of the world just because yeah, yeah. It, it was good, but it was, I think at that time of the year before, obviously, everything kicked off a year later, we all, Everybody was still buzzing and high on life. That's what it felt like, anyway. It did, mate. And, and that we group like for Pure Gym, because we obviously scoured Pure Gym and took a lot of their members with us. Oh, definitely. We had it down to our teammate. We knew exactly what we were doing. Like, and again, probably stuff that I'd learned through my mistakes. I was like, right, this is what we'll do. This is how we'll get folk in. Um, can you remember fucking buying that old fucking shitty van for £600 and then filling it full of kettlebells and it was fucking scraping along the floor? <laughs> because I was walking a Friday night, you used to drive it down to the tennis courts. Oh, mate. Uh, I don't know how that thing drove. Oh, fuck. It was a bit. 500 kilo worth of... I only got rid of it a few years ago, mate. It was a good van. <laughs> it was a good van. I don't know how it lasted so long. I mean, it was bottomed out. I think uh, Joe Wicks has got a, a similar story. But uh, I think his was like a wee cart with all his stuff and he was going down to the park and set it all up. And fucking... Your cart was even better than this thing, mate. <laughs> I think that fucking need a horse on the van on it in front of it. And then I just remember like we'd launch all the kettlebells and we had over that fence every single day, mate. Mm-hmm. And... That was a workout in itself, launching this thing. It was, it was, but it was, it was good times, mate. Start starting from scratch. Do you know uh, what I mean? Uh, well, I mean, like, with zero clients, mate. I, I think as well. But I look back and there was a sense of naivety about our business. Like we didn't think about any competition, anybody else around. We were just like, "So basically, this is what we're going to do, and this is how we're going to do it." And I think because of that, mate, there was such a fun factor about it. Like it was just like. Just pile folk in. We no business swab, mate. And we started with, was it the 15 founding members? So we started the free class in the, ja- the January 2018 and we launched Outdoor Boot Camp at the start of April for the spring. Coming in, we had 15 people, didn't we? Yep, we like Gary and his full family, pretty much. They were, getting, <laughs> they, were uh, get, they were getting ready for a wedding for the summer. Yep. And then we had a, 10 others for Pure Gym, didn't Aye. we? And... What was that? Was it 50 quid to start with, mate? No, it was fucking cheaper than that. 40? No, it was 35. Was it 35? And it was a struggle to sell. It was, mate. I, remember. I was getting people fucking free t-shirts and PT <laughs> sessions trying to sell this boot camp. I remember it was hard, mate, to sell this thing. Torture. That's, I think, that's the hardest thing about business, mate, is getting off the ground and getting started and getting people to trust you and 
give you their money. That is. And then even like when we got fucking trial, mate, I remember like at one point we had like 35 people in trial. And the first thing I remember is we didn't know how to deal with 45 people. <laughs> we didn't know how to deal with that many folk. But it went well, but we didn't know anything about like, well, how are we actually going to convert these people to, to clients? Instead of just a big mass of fucking people training, wasn't it? Oh, uh, it was... Again, what made some of the best things I think about was like the Friday morning where we were like 56, 60 people. And that, that was crazy, mate. Some people wouldn't believe you, mate. You know oh, they were, was just... 60 people training on a tennis court. And then, I don't know, the whole business just grew arms and legs, mate. We were... I definitely did that summer. So you can, well, we ended up fucking opening one in Kilmarnock, didn't we? Aye, well, it was that summer we opened Kelly. I think it was the year the following after. following year. <laughs> Which? I'm sure it was. It was at 2000. 2018 we started and then 2019 we opened Kelly. Which, I mean, again, mate, we're a year in. Pollock's booming, isn't it? We've got, what, maybe 150 members? Mm-hmm. It's still just me and you at this point? Or have we got... Me, me, you and one more there would have been. Andy, maybe. Aye, maybe Andy. And a few others there was. Aye. Here and there. Wait, a few of the years, Dun- mate. Douglas as well. Aye. Tanya. Tanya, yeah, there was a few. Um, I remember, like, I look back and I think... There's no way I could do what we did again. Because we worked every day, mate. We got a Sunday off. And it's something we've spoken about, obviously, over the years, mate. Why we just seem to attract women and we've trained women and we're two men. Yep, I know. it's, And that's what the 90% of our client base is. And obviously, it's just mad, isn't it? Obviously, that's our type of, goes right, that's our target market. But if we try and even move for that, we still attract women. I don't know how many times we've not purposely tried to move, mate, but like we try to like speak to men a bit more or do something different and we just Or advertise for men, it's a lot harder to get why just why do you think, mate, men are so reluctant to do the group style of training? I think there's a an ego thing, mate, first and foremost. One the guy doesn't want to turn up and be outlifted, outran by somebody, especially if you're looking for help, mate, with your fitness, you're probably not exactly in the best shape of your life. So I think there's an ego thing of turning up and possibly being not the best, which is madness because that's why we turn up to these things. Anybody that's at our boot camp, <clears throat> the, the fit ones is people with them that start. They went that way to start with, mate. They've walked it up through time. And I also think there's a thing of <clears throat> men don't like to do things together. I don't know. It's mad, like... Unless you know each other. Like, unless you know each other. Good pals. And unless... It's like booze involved, mate. Men are very much booze. Like, go watch the football, but have a pint. But see, aside from that, mate, how many men meet their mates out with that? True. Probably not many, which is a shame because then something like the boot camp where we build this massive community of people to get together and just get to know each other is a massive opportunity for some to have another, another part of their life, especially... As you have a family, mate, and you want to move away from booze culture, this is your opportunity. You know, obviously we do the hill climbs. We've done hundreds of stuff for our members. I think back to that. Was it four back-to-back marathons? Four back-to-back marathons. <laughs> I don't even ask me why I fucking did it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you tried it twice, didn't you? Twice I've tried it. And then we I'll had actually, this. I'll actually need to go for a third time. And I don't know when I'll do it, but I will go for it. <laughs> I mean, I've probably just stayed at some record that I have no intention of doing it with you, mate. But um, then we decided that we'd get the members to do it. We'd run it as a as a group during COVID. It was, it was during lockdown. Yeah, during lockdown. And mate, that was just tremendous. I felt like a huge sense of community doing that. Like everybody had these time slots. There was like, what? 10 to 12 people were in each time slot. For 24 hours. For 24 hours. There was, a, there was a 200, over 200 people. Oh, was, which is... I think we, we raised over, was it about 15 grand or something? Aye, for the food banks. Yeah, for, in 24 hours. Fucking madness, mate, when you think <laughs> about it. Like, and this was during lockdown when you know, businesses were struggling and if anything, that first lockdown, mate, we boomed. Mm-hmm. We got busier than ever. But, you know, people were looking for help and the Zoom workouts, but... I look back and, you know, people that were in furlough and that talk about having the best time of their life, you know, at home, chilling. For me, I think about it as maybe not a stressful time. Maybe that's the wrong word, but we were busy as fuck, mate. 
We're on Zoom. What did we do? A six, a nine, a twelve, a six. It was like every day, all, mate. All day, I did. It was just me and you. It was just me and you at that. The first one, wasn't it? First one, mate. It was yeah. just me and you that did everything. We were putting on seminars. We were obviously there was also this sense of our business could go broke the next day. Mm. I think it was just an uncertain time with everything and the uh, It was. Nobody was really sure what was happening or what was going on. Eh? No, we didn't have a clue. Um, especially like we were self-employed mates, so we had no other money coming in than what the bootcamp were making. I, I still stand by, obviously. The biggest business mistake we made, mate, was with half their membership uh, price. That was crazy. It's crazy thing back because if anything, mate, we delivered more value than we ever had across our whole but time. I think it was just a sense of panic. And we was. never had, we never obviously got the guidance or the mentorship until after we'd done it and then yeah. we realised the mistake. Yeah, mate. And, uh, ah, you know, obviously body fit grew arms and legs and then had some arms and that chopped off through time as we realised that we're only two guys and it's difficult when... You think about Nike as a brand. People are buying into Nike. There's not a person behind Nike, really. But body fit, they're kind of buying into us too. Mm-hmm. That's, so when we're not there, as we've discovered at other boot camps, it makes it more difficult for people to buy into us. I think that's a massive thing in this, this industry alone, mate. Fitness is it. You're buying into the person, not the brand, so it's hard to step away Without then losing the customers or clients. It's because unfortunately, mate, when they're with people every day, they kind of, they get to know them and buy into them. So if you're not there, and as has happened to us, mate, when PCD decide that oh, if they can do this, I'll do this, and they move and it's almost inevitable that they take some of your client base with them. So what we have now, obviously we've got Pollock and Kelly, it's just a much better feasible model for us because we're both there 95% of the time 100% mate it's more sustainable for obviously us too and well, obviously and amongst every single day yep. so just to wrap up there mate what piece of advice would you give anyone who maybe went through a similar life situation to you who is maybe struggling at the moment and they want to make their own changes or they want to make a comeback in life what yeah. advice would you give them? The comeback, mate. I love that. Everybody loves a comeback. Uh, I'm going to be greedy, mate, and tell you three pieces. Right? Go for it. So the first one is, like, learn to love yourself. I think everybody, from as young age as they possibly can, 19, 20, 21, spend a year by yourself. Live by yourself. Don't date. Don't fall for that trap again. Just learn to know you so that... See if you can learn to love yourself. You'll, you'll never need anybody. The last thing you need, mate, is to be in a relationship where you feel like you need them. Because if you don't need somebody, then you can just support and help somebody mm-hmm. in your own journey. Number two would be find a source of exercise and nutrition that you enjoy and you love. Because if you if you find that, mate, you get that dopamine, you get happy, you're looking after yourself, probably ditch the booze if I'm throwing it in there, at least limit booze as much as physically possible. Um, You'll be so much happier, so much fitter. Remember, your body's for life, your mind's for life. So take steps towards making that more productive for yourself. And the third one, mate, is fail often. I think people are scared of failing in case of what other people think. But the more you fail, mate, the more you actually win because you learn so much from it. You know, we've talked about it there, all all our failures, and it leads us to better places. So just fail often. You'll never regret failing, but you'll regret not even trying. I always say failure is a trial run until you achieve. Oh, definitely, mate. And I don't know how many fails I can say that <laughs> I've had. So I absolutely spot on, mate. I love them. And for anybody who is ready to make that change and come back, that's three great pieces of advice. So thanks very much for coming on, mate. Thank Cheers. you, mate. It's been a pleasure oh. as always.